0: Your implant journey is going to cost you more in terms of money, education, equipment, and time than what you originally think. Guarantee you that now. Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kera. Your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Hi everybody, and thank you for joining me on my very first podcast. I am really excited. This is, you know, let's hope that 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 I get a, a, enough engagement, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to to discussing all thing implants with you. Uh, I'm very excited. So. Just a word of warning, when I get excited, there's lots of things that go go through my mind when I start thinking, Uh, I do have a tendency to stutter, so please bear with me, if I'm trying to express myself in one way and I start stuttering, it's because I'm trying to think of several things in one go. Uh, I'll try not to do that, but uh, it will be an inevitability at some point. Uh, Yes, so quite a few of you already have uh, liked my Instagram page, liked my Facebook page, and I really, really appreciate it. I hope that I can impart just some of the knowledge that I've been finding over the years with regards to implant dentistry. Um, Now, this podcast, it's aimed at there's going to be stuff for beginners. There's going to be stuff for people of intermediate level. There's going to be stuff for 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 people who are expert level. Um, I'm not professing to be an expert in absolutely everything but what I'm saying is there's loads of things that I know that we can open doors for discussion and that's what I'm hoping to do to get people thinking to uh, to raise the bar and really push forward with implant dentistry pushing forward the science and pushing forward uh, the patient care as well now where are we going to start today well um, I'll probably start by telling you I've already got four or five guests lined up. Um, ready to, do, to, to discuss some absolutely fantastic stuff. So uh, I've got uh, Riaz Yar, who's uh, very kindly uh, agreed to come on so that we can brainstorm all things with regards to occlusion and implants. So that's obviously gonna be a great one to look out for. Um, I have spoken to uh, Faran Ahmed, uh, who's very happy to come on and discuss how to get into implants, how to progress your career, how to find the right mentor, and things along those lines um so it's uh, who else we've got i've got uh, uh kevin rose who's happy to come on to discuss how do you communicate with patients without bamboozling them you know because what you don't want to do is when you're talking about implants to patients you don't want to talk about it screwing in titanium into their jawbone patients don't want to hear that so kevin's really great with his with his communication style so we'll be speaking to him at some point uh and I'm speaking to several other people as well um and it's 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 going to be really exciting really exciting i've got uh, uh, Stavros, who's a good friend of mine and he will be uh, happy to come on and discuss Um, for for those who've seen Stavros's uh, cases is the man is superb his grafting skills are are second to none so uh, I know he uses a lot of uh, PRF and things along those lines so no we're opening the door to to so many discussions so I'm really excited really looking forward to it Uh, if you have any questions feel free to ask at any point um, so let's get started with today's episode. Um, I thought, what better thing to start with than, you know, the seven deadly sins of implant dentistry, because I've fallen for these myself, and it's it, it's caused some grief. So I just wanted to impart some uh Wisdom. I don't know if I'm that old, but I wanted to <laughs> impart some pearls. So, uh, and, and hopefully that those who are early on in their implant career or considering starting an implantology, or those that are, uh, kind of like an intermediate level that you know they're wanting to know, you know, where, where where do I go from here? What 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 do I do? That they don't fall into the same same mistakes that I did. Um, so, uh, so the, the first item I think that, that we should discuss the first the first deadly sin is only doing one course. You know, is a lot of people think fantastic. I'm going to get into implants. Um, it's going to be great. I'll do a year-long course. I'll be able to do everything. That nah, that's what everybody thinks, but that's not what happens. Uh, so. You need to understand it's a career progression with implants. So you need to understand when you're getting into it that just like when you got into dentistry and by the time you qualified after five years, this is what a lot of consultants and professors probably said to you when you're at university as well, is once you qualify, that's your license to start learning. That's not the end of your training. That's the beginning of your training. And uh, there are lots of great introductory courses out there. Um, and you can go, you know, uh, 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 one w- w- one day a month for a year just to build up the basics. They've, you know, these courses have got slightly different structures. They will open the door to get you in so that you can start with kind of like the simplistic cases under mentorship. And it, it's, a, it's a great way to start because quite often these courses, they're, they're, they're done on uh, on weekends, so it's less time out from, uh, from practice, things along those lines. But you need to understand it's the start of your implant career. It's not that, oh, I'm going to do this and all of a sudden I can do everything. Um, So don't be disheartened. If you want to get into it, absolutely get into it, but you have to get into it. Dedicate it with full passion and understand it's going to take you a long time to learn this stuff and it's going to uh, require a big investment as well. I'm still learning. There is loads of stuff I'm still learning at the moment, Um, and it's it's just it's just an absolute pleasure. But when I first started, I thought, well, you know, after this, after this. Year-long course. I thought I'd be able to do eighty percent of everything that comes my way, and it's that. That wasn't that wasn't quite the case. Uh, and if you think like that, then you're not really going to get full benefit out of it. So go into it thinking to yourself: Actually, yeah, you know what? This is going to be the start of my career. The second deadly sin is not having a mentor, and you don't just need one mentor. You need several mentors, uh, and this is absolutely critical this is this is so critically important i can't even begin to express I well i am beginning to express how how important this is why is that it's because you want to gain knowledge from people who've made the mistakes who can say to you, mm, actually, not don't quite do it this way. Modify it. If you do this, you're going to get a slightly better outcome. And you need somebody where if you're starting a procedure and you're getting into hot water, that somebody can back you up. And that's really important. Um, and you know your mentors will grow, in, grow into friends over time. And you know it's they a good mentor will genuinely be thrilled about seeing your progression. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that my mentors are and, the, you know, the, the people that I mentor, are, you know, just watching them progress and get better and better and better. It's it's absolutely fantastic. So as you're getting into implant dentistry or once you're even into implant dentistry, once you're starting to think about the next step, you need to start thinking to yourself, who do I want to mentor me for this? You know, who do I get on well with? Who's my mate? Who's who, who does this? all the time that I can pick their brains on. Uh, so it's really important that you get the, the right mentor. And uh, so when you're looking at, at courses, also look at how you're gonna get a mentor as well, okay? Let's let's move on to the third deadly sin now, I think. This is a big one, this is a big one. And when the reason why I say it's big is because if you do a course and you start placing implants, or you're already placing implants, you do a course to progress your skills, that if you're not doing enough of that work, you're not going to gain the muscle memory, you're not going to gain the experience to really become proficient at it and uh, and, and become comfortable with it as well. So you also need to look at the demographics in your area, you know, is are my patients amenable to having this type of uh, work done uh, do they have the means to fund it can i work part time in another practice where i can, where i can do this type of work so all of these things start to come into play and the reason why i stress that this is so important is because when you first start with any procedure is you you read about it you do the course and you think great i can do this and as you know, courses are designed so that it's, it's a little bit easier for you. It doesn't matter if you're working on a cadaver. It doesn't matter if you're working on, on a model. The model's not going to complain. Um, so, And the only way to start doing things uh, along these lines is, let's say, for example, you go on a sinus lift course. Well, if you're doing one or two sinus lifts per year, you're not really going to gain the muscle memory. So the question then becomes is, well, which route do you take? Can you find a way to start to develop more of this within your practice, or maybe work part time in, in another practice, or are you going to think to yourself, "Well, actually, not. I'm not going to go down the sinus route. Work. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do the other stuff, and I'll refer the sinus work out. There's no, there's no, there's no harm in that at all. It's you know you're doing yourself a favor, and you're doing your patients a favor. Um, you know if you're working in sinuses three, four, five times a week, then yeah you know very quickly you start to understand you know this is how it works this is what we need to do damn this has gone wrong this is how we fix it things along those lines so and 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 it's the same with with, with any level of implant work really so if you go on a course and you're ready to start placing implants and uh, and I remember this well when I was first trained by Richard Brookshaw one thing Rich said to me is Pav he said be really careful really careful he said that you've got to start placing a bigger volume of implants quite quickly otherwise your confidence is just going to drop like a stone and he said he said you have to start getting wet fingered with it so as well as looking at your courses you know also look at you know how am I going to start to implement this? Have I got enough patients? Have I got 20 patients waiting to have this done already? Has, can I go to my mentor's place? Is my mentor prepared to let me do this with him or or things along those lines? It's it's definitely something, something, something to think about. It really is important to get the adequate experience. And if we think about it, that's true with any aspect of dentistry. So if you're starting to get into orthodontics, you go on an ortho course and you're doing two cases per year your confidence isn't really going to build if you're doing an orthodontic course and you know you're doing five six seven however many cases per month then you start to build up the muscle memory so you need to have this all in your plan how you're going to execute all of this okay deadly sin number four uh yes this is quite an interesting one failing to invest in adequate equipment and education okay your implant journey is gonna cost you more in terms of money, education, equipment, and time than what you originally think. Guarantee you that now. Did with me I said, when I first started, I was like, yeah, year long course, I'll be able to do 80% of the work. The other percent, 20% of the work, I'll, I'll start to refer out. And you just develop this, this burning passion for it. It's just awesome. you know. When you start to get these fantastic results for patients, Uh, it, It really is fantastic. But then what you start to realize, well, hang on, what I've learned, I'm limited. I can only do this, this, and this. I can't do the rest of it. And then as your skills start to progress, then what you end up doing is you end up looking and think to yourself, okay, well, I'll do this course fundamental for this. And all of a sudden your your skill level starts to swell. It starts to grow. And that will continually happen up to a point that you're happy and comfortable with. So, you know, everybody has their own comfort level. And if your comfort level is doing single implants in the posterior region out of the smile line in a healed ridge you're probably going to have less stress than somebody like me that pushes the boundaries a little bit. So it's, you know, it's, you need to understand going in. It's it, it's it's dependent on your comfort level, what you want to be able to to to, to achieve. Um, it will also be dependent on your lifestyle, and you know it, you know there's there's lots of factors that come into play. But understand that normally when you get into it, people are like I I, I want to know more, and it's it really is a fantastic field. I'm just trying to make you aware that whether you've just considering getting into implant dentistry or you're already in implant dentistry or you're progressing your career it's it, it's never ending it's never ending you know it's uh at the moment i'm having uh, uh i'm i'm studying a lot i'm being uh trained uh for uh zygomatic implants, things along those lines and um and it's i'm having to study hard you know finding the right mentors and uh finding the cases it, it all still applies to me and uh you know so that level of commitment to implant dentistry has to be there but you can cut it off anytime that you want Um, And as I said, it's, you know, if you're happy doing simpler cases, fantastic, because you will be busy enough. Ah, yes, this is a good one. Deadly sin number five, trying to execute complex treatment before you're comfortable with the basics or using one technique for everything. Guilty. Yes, I have done that. Uh, As I said, I've gone on courses and thought to myself, yeah, I can do this. You jump in and you start your treatment and you very quickly learn, I can't do this. I should have got a mentor um, or, you know, I'm in way over my head and your results are very limited. Your skills will progress the more that you do this type of work. But you need to understand as well is if you've been taught in one form of grafting, you need to learn other techniques in grafting to tackle all the different cases that come your way. Because what works in one scenario is not going to work in another scenario, it depends on so many uh, different factors um i'm a, a big fam, a fan of autogenous bone. I like the kuru technique I like the IDR technique. Uh, I do use synthetics I do use allografts I do use uh PRF blood plasmas things along those lines. Um, I occasionally use xeno uh, I use different types of membranes sometimes I don't use membranes sometimes I glue in membranes. Sometimes I will have zirconia membranes made. It, it, you know, what? it depends on the clinical situation and what, what you're trying to achieve. So this is what I'm saying to you is that, you know, is when you start, you can't just have one set of skills. You have to expand your skills so that you can serve your patients better. Not only serve your patients better, but it is going to be much more beneficial to you, much more professionally satisfactory to to you in order to have a wide range of set of skills. Uh, and then another reason why that's important, because sometimes you try you try A, it doesn't work, and you've got to switch and do Z. Sometimes you've planned for point one, and halfway through the procedure, something doesn't co- go quite right, so you've got to take a tangent to get to point number two. And the only way that you can do that is having a, a, a great set, a, a great wide range of skills. You know, if the only thing that you can do is is simple GBR and you're trying to do very complex grafting, is what, what what happens when when it, when it doesn't work or you can't get things stable? Then what? You know, so it, this is one of those things. It's I'm a great believer in and there are so many great different techniques out there for all sorts of different uh, aspects of implant dentistry just continue learning you know the textbooks online there's there's great online sources there's courses there's there's just so many different ways that, that that you can learn pick the brains of your mentor you've got studies to read you've got you know uh, articles to critically appraise there is so much that 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 you can learn but continue to learn it is vitally vitally important okay uh, deadly sin number 6 This is quite an obvious one. Don't listen to everything the implant companies tell you. Okay. They're trying to sell you something. No, it is up to you. It is your responsibility to take the data that's provided and critically appraise it so that you know what's the science and what's the crap. Because you can forget the crap. And uh, you really need to understand whatever it is that you're getting into that, you know, uh, it's, and don't get me wrong, okay, I'm not bashing implant companies because they will give you a significant amount of support, they'll give you lots of data. What I'm saying is whatever data they get you, just critically appraise it so you know the actual science behind it because then you can have enriching conversations with, with your reps and your implant companies. You turn around and say to them, I read this paper, This, this, this I've got this question, And quite often, they will go back and they will bring an answer for you to answer your question. Sometimes they won't have an answer for you. And that's fine as well, because it might be that the the science hasn't progressed that far. Um, but you need to understand, as I said, is you have to critically appraise everything that you do. Even textbooks, read it and think, you know, what? what's the current data? What are we supposed to be doing? Is this correct? Is this how it should be doing? You know, what's, what's the quality of this data? Uh, are there any errors in it? And how, What type of conclusions have they made? Is the conclusion actually this, but they've stretched and extrapolated to that? And if they have extrapolated the data, is it valid data? Because sometimes it can be, and other times it can't be. So you need to understand how to critically appraise a paper. And this, this is one thing that I, that, that I learned when I, when I did my uh, M. Clint Dent um, in, in infantology was to how to critically appraise a paper. Because when you start reading papers and articles and you start going through them and you start to apply critical appraisal tools, the vast majority of stuff that's out there is a load of nonsense, really is a load of crap. But that doesn't mean you can't gain something for it. It just means that you have to, uh, you have to understand how, how valuable that source is. And then you get other papers where you're just reading it and you just go, oh, this is like, oh, it's, honestly, it can be like pornography. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, it's so good. It makes you feel so good because the study is designed so well. Um, and you, you, know, you can't just read stuff and, and take it at face value. It's, there's a, there's a greater level of satisfaction that comes from applying critical appraisal tools and finding a really good paper. Because then you're just like, this is quality work. This we can apply directly to clinical practice. Okay, where are we up to now? Deadly sin number seven already. Okay, this is a big one. This is the one that's going to catch virtually everybody out. This is the one that catches me out all the time. All the time. Not appreciating the patient's biology. Mm, Yeah, happens a lot. The more I study, the more I'm actually surprised that implants actually work at all. Purely and simply from a point of view, there are so many factors... Involved in healing and long-term maintenance of the implants. Like you sat there going to yourself, how are these not just rejected all the time, just like left, right, and center? How is it that despite all of these, that our that our um, success rates are, are, are actually uh, uh, what they what they are, which is pretty good. And the reason why this is important is because not if when failures happen, okay. I'm a great believer, anybody who turns around and says they have zero failures, they are either lying, or they place two implants a year, because it's easy to have 100% success rate when you place two implants a year. Okay? When failures happen to you, you need to be able to go back, or even, I'll tell you what, what's even better is planning forward, understanding the nuances. And it's not just, oh, perio, smoking, uncontrolled diabetes. There is so much more above and beyond that. Um, what else impacts uh, vitamin D, uh, high cholesterol, thyroid, uh, omeprazole use, SSRI, so antidepressants, uh, stress effects, implant healing, lack of sleep. What else have we got? We've got diet. We've got... Can you see where I'm going with this? It's, it's just endless. So sometimes it's you, you may be looking at a medical history of a patient, and you need to understand what it is that the patients are showing there because it might be a little bit of this uh, and added with a little bit of that and um, a bit more it sounds like mambo number five doesn't it a little bit of uh, this a little bit of that and added all together it starts to increase the, the 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 risk of of complications for the patient and it's great to have a conversation with that patient about that beforehand because then they own the problem it's not your problem that is the patient's problem, and they need to understand that going in. Um, so it's really important, as well as I, where I first started, as I got distracted, as you might have seen. It's not only is pre-planning, but when things do go wrong, that you don't beat yourself up about it. And sometimes it's, and I've had this as well. Is uh, you know, is patients fill out the medical history, and you uh, go through it, you do the treatment. It's not successful for X, Y, Z reason, and you probe the patient a bit more. Are you sure you haven't got this? Are you sure you haven't got that? Are you sure? You're, oh yeah, well you know, I've been on antidepressants for three years, and you just think to yourself, you know, that's why we do the medical history. Why couldn't you disclose that before? Uh, before you know, it's, it's this is what I'm saying. Is it gets you thinking so that. Uh, so that, you know, you can start to really have these enriching conversations with patients beforehand. So, you know, if you know what they're what they do for a living and, you know, you can start to probe them a little bit. Just say, hey, tell me a little bit more about your lifestyle. How stressed is it? How much sleep are you getting? Things along those lines. You know, Are you are you managing to look after yourself? Are you managing to exercise? Uh, have you ever been? Have you ever felt depressed being put on antidepressants because of this type of stuff? It's uh, it's one of those things that we can do everything technically that we want to, and we may do it to a a technically perfect standard, but then it's over to the patient's biology. And we don't have a vast amount of control over that. And even if the implants integrate successfully at this end, then we're still trying to get it to last as long as what we possibly can. Now, if we're trying to make things last as long as what we possibly can, let's say two years down the line, uh, the patient uh, goes through a divorce, they go through uh, bankruptcy, they lose one of their parents and they lose their home as well. That's a lot of stress. So what happens in those cases is you may have treatment that's successful and all of a sudden their biology's changed and that change in their, bi- in their internal biology, it may actually trigger some sort of problem with the implants or, or, or other issues. So it's understanding that, you know, we are absolutely at the mercy of the patient's biology. When you understand that, you can have a conversation with the patients with regards to that. The patient starts to take more ownership of their own problems. And it's not a case of, well, you know, Doc, you said that this implant was going to be all right for 15 years. And the reason why I say this is because I've got a couple of patients at the moment where they're like, Pav, you said that this implant was going to be fine for 20 years. And I was just like... I really shouldn't have said that. It's like 11 years in. And they're like, yeah, but you said 20 years. So we've got, and a a lot of that was back when, you know, implant companies were turning around saying, oh, yeah, you know, a 95% success rate over a 20 year period, 25 year period. And it's it, that—that's just not the case at all. You, you have to treat each patient individually. You have to do a risk assessment. I'm a great believer in doing risk assessment, look at their risk profile, and then discuss it with the patient. And turn around and say to the patient, like, "You know, if you're not prepared to take this risk, don't have the treatment done." Um, so you know, it's it, it is really, really important. Um, so you know, it, it is critically important that both we as clinicians and the patients understand that we are dealing with their biology. Okay. So I just wanted to to recap really briefly. I don't know how long I've been rambling on for, it's you know, however long it is. It's might it might have ended up being a ten minute podcast, might have ended up being a half hour podcast. I just enjoyed it, I've been I've been rambling on. Okay, but let me just summarise a little bit for you. So uh uh sin number one we discussed about doing one course and thinking that that's it it's all over and done with it's not going to happen okay you need to understand going in that you're going to want to learn more and more it's the start of your implant journey and it's a fantastic journey okay Uh, but just be prepared for continuing education okay sin number two not having a good mentor's multiple, okay. Um, it's, a, you can have, a, a, a number of mentors for, for, for different things. Um, you know, that there, there are, there, there are people skilled, uh, in, in, in different aspects. Your mentor might not even be in the UK. You know, there's no harm in brainstorming with with mentors via email and things along those lines. Um, For example, you know, one of my mentors is Howie Gluckman in South Africa. Um, uh, And, you know, seeing surgery done by Zana Fall is her work is just incredible. And, you know, I'm constantly pricking her brains. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And she's just like, yeah, you know, it all makes sense. So yeah, get the right mentor. Um make sure you're exposed to enough experience. This can be really tricky. Uh, I don't know your practice demographics. Um, your demographics may be good. They may not be quite so good. You may be really exposed at one thing. You may really be underexposed at another. And that's fine. That's not a problem. You know, is if you're finding, you know, you're, you're not doing full arches but actually what you are doing is you're doing a couple of implants for denture stabilization for little old ladies and you're doing them day in and day out fantastic what's you know there's there's no harm in that at all well well, what that means is you're going to become better at me than that in 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 no time at all because I don't do a lot of that type of stuff I struggle with it with with the with the with the the denture stabilizations because most of my patients want fixed teeth um, yeah, deadly sin number four, as I said, uh, failing to invest it in enough equipment and education. you got to, you got to keep, keep thinking, I need to invest, I need to expand my skills, I want to invest more in a mentor, get comfortable with it. You have to, absolutely, okay? Deadly sin number five, as I said, is uh, just thinking one technique will let you do everything. Or doing a course and not getting a mentor, and then thinking I'm going to have a crack at that. Yeah, absolutely. And then getting your fingers burnt. I've had my fingers burnt plenty. It's caused me more than enough headache. Please don't do it yourself. The complex stuff that I'm doing now, I'm doing it under under mentorship, and I'm getting better at it. And uh, and you you know it's that that's the whole point of a mentor. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a, a very important one. Uh, sin number six, um, do your own research, critically appraise anything that comes across your way. And rule number seven is, you know, is understand the patient's biology so that the patient takes responsibility and that you don't take it to heart when things go, when, when, when things don't go quite according to plan. So I just thought it'd be fun to share, um, some of the, some of the things that I thought have burnt my fingers over the years because as I said I've, I've, I've succumbed to all of these every single one um, so I want to help you guys avoid uh, the mistakes that, that I made during during my progression um, so it's been fantastic I'm sorry I've rambled uh, I hope it makes some sort of sense <clears throat> I do have a habit of uh, getting waylaid and backtracking and circling back to things and I do apologise about that I hope I didn't stud too much but I've had fun, and I think this is going to be great. You know, some of the some of the guests that I've got lined up, some of the the, the, the topics that I want to that I want to discuss. Um, it's just it's just going to be a great dis- opening doors for discussions. Um, just to give you a little a bit of an indication, some of the things that I've some of things that I've got down here using PRF, uh, restorative protocols, restorative materials, connection types, force distributions. Um, Uh, uh, you know medication use sinus work grafting uh, you know uh, what to learn who to learn from things like you know it's, it's just I've got a big list already and I'm looking back to your feedback saying Pav can we discuss this Pav can we discuss this absolutely not a problem at all i would be absolutely thrilled to um because i'm i'm hoping to learn as much uh, as i can from you guys as well uh, so uh, please uh, do leave some comments and uh, get in touch and i will hopefully have the next podcast up in around a week or so so i'm hoping to send these up about once a week and a big uh, thanks to jazz galati who said um uh, 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 who said to me pav you know what i'm doing a podcast it's 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 i'm getting quite a lot of traction on it he said you've got a lot of knowledge i highly recommend that you do a uh, 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 one based around implants as well so he's been he's, he's been offering me advice and thank you very much and i will speak to you guys soon bye